0: Welcome to Today I Choose, where we talk about living life with intention. I'm your host, Melissa Bingham. In today's episode, I'm talking with Meg Tobin, a licensed mental health counselor, about the impact trauma and stress have on our central nervous system and how a bottoms up approach accelerates healing. Enjoy. I am so happy today to be talking with Meg Tobin. She is a friend of a friend, and we have gotten to just be talking a little bit this morning about anxiety and trauma and stress and how that impacts the nervous system. And just she has so many great things to share with us. So welcome, Meg.
1: Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm so glad to be here.
0: So I love to start this conversation with intention and really learning about what intention means to you. So what does intentional living mean to you?
1: So in a sentence, it means not living by default. So if I am going to live my life intentionally, I'm going to be choosing what I'm doing minute to minute, day to day rather than getting stuck in the loop of, I'm doing this because this is just what we do. I wanna be able to decide and plan and open my mind to the possibilities of what's beyond what I know and plant those seeds on a daily basis. I start my day with an intention. Usually it's to to be open and, and to be able to listen is most often my intention. And I do that because that's my line of work. I am a therapist and I want my stuff out of the way so that I can be as clear and present to my clients, but to my family and to myself as well.
0: Mm, I love that. And I love, you know me, I love setting a daily intention. That's Mm -hmm. that's kind of my thing. So what do you mean by a bottom-up approach to accelerating healing?
1: Okay. So typically... We take a top-down approach, which is we think about things, we have a lot of words involved, we talk to people, we try to figure it out from our cognitive brain. A bottom-up approach starts in the body. So anything that's ever happened to us, any affront, any trauma, any anxiety-producing event lives in our bodies. And if we just talk about it, we we're only able to process part of it. So, if we go down into the body through a variety of modalities, we can then access where it's stored in our cells, where it's stored in our physiology, so we can truly release it. It doesn't get part of that feedback loop of living by default, right? This is just how I am. So we're able to really and truly heal a painful event, a trauma, even a thought pattern that we have, a belief system that we have that we want to challenge. If we can get into the body and release that in a physiological way, then we're much more able to come to a place of healing and peace.
0: Yeah. So I want to step back a second. I want to ask you a question. How do you define trauma?
1: That's a very good question, Melissa. I have a very loose definition, as I think more and more people are coming to see. Most people think of trauma as a major event that happens, a car accident, child sexual abuse, rape, witnessing violence, being violated in some way. I see our traumas as things that happen every single day, in addition to the bigger traumas that build up over time. If I'm in a toxic relationship where I'm being berated on a daily basis, no matter how subtly, that builds up in my nervous system as a trauma because I feel the need to defend myself against it. And our brains operate in such a way that they're there to keep us alive. And so if I am feeling threatened on any level of my being, including emotionally, then my body is going to respond as if I'm about to die. So... There's no delineation, really. If I'm being screamed at by someone, it feels to my body as scary as if I were about to die. So being able to take away the cognitive sort of idea of what a trauma is, my bottom line is if I feel threatened, then it can store in my body as a trauma. Does it always? No, it doesn't because we have resilience. We have ways that we work through things so that they don't all get stored in there but a lot of us have been living by default and are not aware of the buildup or the magnitude of the power that these have in our lives on an ongoing basis in terms of our behavior, our thoughts, our interactions, our relationships. It's all impacted.
0: That's a great definition. And it's so important because I know I talk to people and even in my own family you know, we've had conversations of like, well, you know, somebody else has life is so much worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be one of my teenagers, kids, friends, my kids invalidate how they're feeling yes, because somebody has it quote unquote, so much worse than they do. And, and I think it's important for everybody to understand that. It's not just those big, horrific things we think as traumas. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in my parenting, there'll be days that I'm like, oh, that was going to cause a problem, what mm-hmm. I just said. And, and in, oftentimes unintentionally, right? Right, right. And so I want to also dive in. I had another question because as I was reading some of the things you wrote me, how do anxiety and trauma play together? Does anxiety cause trauma or does trauma cause anxiety? Or what's the, how do you see that relationship?
1: So I don't think anxiety causes trauma. I think that anxiety comes out of, you know, I don't know how, how like scientific this is, but I really see anxiety as a buildup of unfelt emotion. That if we have experiences that we're not able to process and we stuff it and stuff it, or are told we need to stuff it, right? As kids, like, don't cry. Don't be so upset about this. You're too sensitive. If all that stuff gets stuffed, it's got to go somewhere. Our bodies are not designed to hold it all. And so it arises as anxiety. Now there are physiological, uh, real physical anxieties on the chemical level, but I think in terms of sort of your everyday anxieties that people are feeling, I really see them as a buildup of emotion and the body is not able to hold it any longer. And it looks like anxiety. But when we dig deeper, it really shows up to be grief or anger or frustration that's not being dealt with.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good. That's, I, I love that. And really, so what, as we talk about intention and, and intention, you know, opening us into possibility, when we recognize that we're, we're having a trauma response, what are the things like we can we notice in our body? that are trauma responses or that are impacting that, that central nervous system? What's it look like?
1: So it does require us to pay attention. So if we're just sort of numbly going through our days, it's going to pass us by and we're not going to recognize it. But being intentional about what's happening inside of our bodies, and that's really hard for someone who's been violated to live in their body and really experience their body. And so that's not necessarily the first step for someone say who has been raped but by and large if we can attend to the sensations in our body then we can find what they mean and what I mean by that is this is my go-to when someone's like I don't know what's going on I, I can't figure it out I'm just so upset all right take a breath notice where that is in your body well my throat is really tight and it hurts to breathe my chest hurts and so then I would take people through this experience of what does it look like? What's the temperature and shape and color of this thing that's in your throat? And how does it look to you in your mind's eye? And I listen to the words that people use. I feel like I'm being choked. I'm being smothered. I can't breathe. I'm, I can't get words out. And all of that speaks to me of not being able to, in this example, to not be able to be expressive and Then I help people drill down to, well, what does it feel like to not be able to be? I'm terrified, right? So then the fear comes up or I'm angry. And then we have something to work with. And it all comes out this is the bottom up approach, right? It all comes out of experiencing what our bodies are telling us. Our bodies are infinitely wise and really do hold all of our answers if we can slow down enough and be guided you know, like in a a therapy situation to figure out what our bodies are telling us. And it comes, it's either going to, you know, come up like that, or we're going to get sick. And then we really have to listen. If we're not able to function in the the daily way, because we're ill, that's the body saying, hello, I need to be attended to right now.
0: Yeah. And so it's, it's important for us all to figure out how I think, to listen, to to find that time and and to carve out, to listen to our bodies before we get to that place of sickness. Absolutely. Because we get lots of warning signs, I think.
1: Absolutely. And that's the piece that's really important is we can't disregard what our body's telling us at any point. You know, physically, just like I was saying about anxiety, how it builds and builds and builds, it has to come out somewhere. You know, ultimately, if we are not allowing our Bodies to feel and experience emotion, it's going to get trapped somewhere and it's going to turn into disease in one way or another. So it's really critical to be able to do that. And I think of grief as well. So many people also think of grief as someone just died, I just lost my job, I just got a divorce, those kind of major life transitions. Again, I see grief. We have little losses every day, all day. We're always being challenged to let go you know, there's disappointment, expectation leads to disappointments. And those are all losses that if we don't process in a way that gets it out of our bodies, it's going to build up and look like anxiety or look like other mental illnesses that
0: are getting in our way of daily functioning. I can personally attest to the power of grief and not, not, necessarily dealing with it, but not recognizing that as what the real issue is. And I've had a lot of things happen in the fall of 2021 that really, and nothing horrific, but things that actually turned up a lot of grief for me. Yes. And to the point that, you know, I did seek out help and I'm, I'm working through it and I'm being with it and recognizing that. And, and, you know exactly what you're saying my person said to me you know feel how you feel each day if you feel like napping nap don't yes. but recognize that what this is is grief yes and for me it's it's lifetimes worth of grief in certain Absolutely. aspects and i think women carry a lot of grief that they maybe aren't allowed to Deal with at the time, don't know how to deal with it. So I'm really mm-hmm. grateful that there are people like you and out there to help with people. And I know in upstate New York you've got this yes. beautiful space called Breathing Space Psychotherapy. Yes. And I've looked at the pictures on the website and I'm booking my flights. I'm just <laughs> like, it's just, you know, maybe not in the winter, in the summer. But, you know, you talk on your website about the different modalities because there's so many different ways that we can work with that trauma in our body. Yes. You know, I work with meditation. I work with art, different things. But so talk to me about how, how you have used different modalities in your work with people.
1: Sure. So my favorite thing is to help people get out of their heads. And so, you know, art does that. Meditation does that. And I do utilize both of those. I also utilize several different modalities to help people begin to let go of the story. And I think the story is what ends up being really hard, right? We tell ourselves these stories over and over and over and over and over. We practice it over and over until it becomes a reality. And so I try to help people distance from the story. And I utilize... EFT tapping. I utilize a fairly new modality called brain spotting, which allows us to get into that subcortical part of our brain and process things without even talking about them, which is so great. You know, someone who's been through trauma, we are actually re-traumatizing ourselves if we just talk about it because we have all those same emotions and we're repeating this story and the chemicals in our bodies are firing in the same way they did when the original trauma happened. And so what we're doing is reinforcing that this, in fact, is unbearable. And when we bring in something like tapping or brain spotting um, or psychodrama, even, we can allow the body to feel safer, calmer as we're processing so that we begin to rewire and change the narrative and separate the emotion from the story so that we can... Ultimately, and I personally have had this experience, many, many, many clients of mine have had this experience where it just becomes something that happened because we've been able to separate and detach the emotional reactivity, the nervous system reactivity from the event.
0: Getting that distance from the story is so important and not easy. Yes. So tell me more a little bit about brain spotting. I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. So the premise
1: is where we look determines how we feel. So what I would do with a client is help them, they're working on a particular issue and they are going to follow a pointer that I have, and I'm helping them find a spot in their field of vision where they feel the most activated about that issue. So say I'm talking about my son going away to college, and I'm feeling really upset about it. It's very hard for me to let go. When I feel my throat tighten up, when I feel the pricklies behind my eyes, I'm going to know that that's the spot that is in my brain that's going to help me process this. You know, if you're if you're trying to find a word, you look up, you sort of your eyes find a spot. Yeah, that's because we intuitively know where in our brains we need to access through our optic nerve and the muscles in our eyes to release or get information. And so if I am focused on a specific spot, it might be 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or longer of not speaking, just letting my brain process. It. And unlike meditation, we don't ask people to keep bringing themselves back to a center or bringing themselves back to a particular topic. We want the brain to just unroll and let the brain. Traumas process through. So if I start thinking about my grocery list, maybe that's going to bring me to something I buy. Like maybe I had peanut butter on it, and then I have a memory of having a peanut butter sandwich when I was five. And then I have a memory of somebody knocking it out of my hand and stepping on it. Just for example, my brain is going to make the connections it needs to make in order to release what's stuck. Our bodies are designed to heal themselves, our brains are designed to heal themselves in the right environment, they can do so quite easily. And brain spotting helps us set up an environment for the body, the brain, to process out all those little trauma capsules so that we can become clearer. Our nervous systems don't get as hijacked. And because, again, story is being separated from the emotion.
0: That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like a really, really powerful work. And, and again, not having to be in the story, right? which is great. The other thing you mentioned was EFT, emotional freedom technique, and which also is known as tapping. Talk to us about tapping, and, and I'm hopeful that maybe you'll run us through a, a little tapping session.
1: I'd be happy to. So EFT, it's again, it's about separating the story from the emotion. And by using our fingers and tapping on specific points on our face and chest, we are sending a signal to the amygdala, which is that the fight or flight center of our brain, that I am in fact calm. This is calm. I am not going to die. I'm not in danger. So if I'm talking about something that's particularly upsetting while I'm tapping, my brain is having a different experience than if I'm talking about that without tapping. So it's getting the signal to calm as I'm talking about a very upsetting situation. And the more we pair those, the calm and the situation, The further apart the emotion gets because now all of a sudden for the first time ever i can talk about a very scary event and it doesn't have to feel so scary in my body and you see cognitive shifts happening like i believed that i believe i'm never safe in the world and we tap about the events it seems a little bit counterintuitive i'm not tapping i'm safe in the world i'm tapping i don't feel safe in the world i'm scared Really acknowledging the truth of what's happening, which is a little bit counterintuitive. People are a little taken by that in the beginning. But what it does is it says to, to our bodies, I get it. I know what's going on right now. And this is what it feels like in the body. And so in order to move through it, we need to acknowledge that and focus on it.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started tapping a long time ago, probably 10 or 15, 10 or 12 years ago, you know, when you had to say those basically negative statements after having done affirmations and worked so hard right. to get to a positive space, and then you're <laughs> like, what? I have to say it, how? Right. But then, but I know the process and, and it really, I, I have had some really powerful shifts with EFT. It's its a great, and it's, I want to say it's easy. Because the the actual practice of it is and it's not.
1: Right. And I always find, I have my own EFT practitioner. I find that when I'm working through something particularly difficult, I really need someone to lead me through it. So when I teach tapping to people, I do trainings, you know, just to teach people how to use it for themselves. Um, It's a very different experience than if you're going to be in sitting in with a practitioner because I tend to do deeper you know, more transformative work around some core issues, not to say you can't do it on your own, but I find personally that I give, I'm like, Meh, I'll just do one round. Or I just don't see from the inside the way someone can observe me. And so it's much more helpful for me when I'm working on deeper issues to work with a practitioner.
0: I've had that experience too, or, and I've had people provide scripts for me that have helped.
1: Yes. Whereas
0: if I'm not physically with them, at least I have a script that then I follow.
1: People tend to get caught up in the words. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure how to, and what I tell people is you just say what's true for you. So if I'm feeling anxiety, I'm just going to own it. I feel anxiety. This is true for me right now. It's not where I want to be. It's not where I want to stay, but it is where yeah. I am. And that's yeah. in, in accepting where I am, that gives me the power to move forward.
0: Well, are you up for leading me through a little tapping? I would love to.
1: <laughs> so, Melissa, just think of a, an event or an issue that's kind of annoying at you. Maybe, um, you know, some someone said something to you or you were disappointed about something. And we we rate these on a scale of zero to ten. Zero being no disturbance at all. It doesn't matter to me. Ten being I'm crawling out of my skin. I can't even talk about this right now. I'm gonna ask you to find something within the three four
0: range. Okay. For our purposes here today. All right. You got something to tell you what it is? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to. No, I do. It's fine. Uh, My husband's going to love this. (laughs) Um, So, one of the things that's driving me crazy is that my husband keeps talking and and talking about his age and he's old and he's old and Mm -hmm. he's not old. But, you know, that that buying into aging. Yes. And it's driving me crazy. And, And it's not a 10, there are times that it's a 10, but like right now, it's like a four. Okay and
1: where do you notice that in your body in my heart and um what's the sensation that you're noticing in your heart tightness okay is there a motion that goes along with the tightness in your heart
0: anger okay
1: and is the anger about a four or is it a different
0: number yeah right now it's about a four Okay, so
1: I'm just going to go through the points that we're going to use, and I'll mention them uh, as I'm asking you to tap, but just for our listeners, the points are the inside of the eyebrow, the side of the eyes, and under the eyes, all along that ocular bone, under the nose, under the lip, about an inch down, an inch out from the knobs on your collarbone, under the arm, and on the top of the head. And so, Melissa, what I would ask you to do is just repeat after me. And we're going to start with the side of the hand, which is the setup area. And basically what we're doing is we're telling the body, this is what we're talking about. This is the issue we're working on. Um, And we're going to get the body aligned energetically to be able to make the shift. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tapping on the side of your hand, even though I feel this anger about my husband buying into being old,
0: even though I feel this anger about buying into my my husband, buying into feeling old. And it's showing up in my heart as tightness. And it's showing up in my heart as tightness. I deeply and completely accept myself. I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: Even though I feel this anger in my heart.
0: Even though I feel this anger in my heart.
1: When I think about my husband buying into being
0: old. When I think about my husband buying into being old. I deeply and completely accept myself. I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: Even though I'm
0: feeling this anger in my heart. Even though I'm feeling this anger in my heart. When I think about my husband buying into aging. When I think about my husband buying into aging.
1: I deeply and completely accept myself.
0: I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: And start at the inside of the eyebrows. All this anger I'm feeling. All this
0: anger I'm feeling.
1: Side of the eyes, this anger I feel in my heart.
0: This anger I feel in my heart. Under the eyes, this anger that's showing up in my heart. This anger that's showing up in my heart. Under the nose, I'm aware of anger in my body. I'm aware of anger in my body. Under the lip,
1: all this anger I'm feeling.
0: All this anger I'm feeling.
1: Collarbone, this anger that's showing up in my heart right
0: now. This anger that's showing up in my heart right now. Under the arm, all this anger I'm feeling. All this anger I'm feeling. Top of the head, this anger in my heart. This anger in my heart. Okay, take a deep breath, and we'll check in.
1: What do you notice in your heart?
0: Feels softer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Less tight.
1: Mm-hmm. Did any thoughts happen? occur to you while we were tapping?
0: Not really. Okay.
1: How would you rate the anger that you're feeling in your heart right now? Zero to ten?
0: About a one.
1: Okay. Do you know what keeps it from being a zero?
0: There's just like a it's like a little naggy thread.
1: Okay. Alright so let's go at the inside of the eyebrows again.
0: hmm This remaining anger. This remaining anger, this naggy thread of 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 anger
1: under the nose, this remaining anger,
0: this remaining anger
1: under the lip. It's okay for me to disconnect from my husband's
0: fear. It's okay for me to disconnect from my husband's fear under the collarbone. I am safe anyway. I am safe anyway under the
1: arm. I am safe even if I disconnect from his fear.
0: I'm safe even if I disconnect from his fear.
1: Top of the head. I am completely and utterly safe.
0: I am completely and utterly safe. Deep breath. What are you noticing? Just calm. Mm -hmm.
1: Peace. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm tapping with people, I do go for deeper into it. Or, you know, especially if I know someone really well and I can mm-hmm. talk to them as we're tapping, as the body is calming. The body is either open, growing, or learning, or it's in fight or flight. You cannot be activated and learn and grow in a you know learn a new concept, for instance. And so when people get to that place of feeling calmer and more grounded, then I can add things in like. I am safe right now. I'm safe. And it's okay for me to not take this on. Or sometimes I'll do something really silly. Like, you know, me being upset about this is really going to make a difference in his life. You know, (laughs) just something (laughs) sarcastic that's off the cuff and people don't expect it. And it creates the laughter. Like you just laughed and that there's a release in the nervous system when we laugh. So I will do all kinds of stuff like that while I'm tapping with people but I'd really challenge people to talk about the truth. Like, so if there is a truth for someone that I have a belief that I'm a bad mother, for instance, I
0: mm. would have
1: people tap on, I'm a bad mother. I am I feel really angry that I'm a bad mother. And at some point during the tapping, a cognitive shift will happen. Well, it doesn't feel like I'm a bad mother anymore. It feels like I've, I made some mistakes. Oh, okay. Well, let's go with that, right? Mm. And then we, because- we get stuck in our beliefs and having a tool to help us shift the narrative is really, really important. And tapping is beautiful for that. Tapping in the moment can be really helpful in in moments of anxiety. If If you have to speak at a meeting or, hey, I tapped before I got on the podcast today, right? So any residual anxiety that I had about speaking publicly, I tapped about that and it shifted for me. And I was able to come into this conversation in a calmer place. And so I utilize it a lot for those those reasons. My kids, I have four children. They ask me to talk with them from time to time because they know how quickly the energy shifts from that of anxiety to going more into a place of calm and confidence.
0: That's great. I was about to ask you how you use your work with your teenagers. Yes, you have four of them. Yes, and I love that they ask you to tap. That's amazing. That's been a long time in coming. They resisted at first, but they were they were very little. But I would
1: if they were sort of yapping at each other in the car and irritable, I would just pull the car over and not say anything. And they at first they were like, "What's going on?" And then they caught on that I wanted them to tap. And so then they would be like, "Oh, she wants us to tap." So they would all sit and tap in the car and be laughing in four minutes after that. So, But they also recognize that when they're upset, when they have a big test coming up or college applications or somebody said something that's hurtful or they were left out of something, that those are times that they can really be empowered to unplug from the anxiety and they have a tool to use to calm their bodies so that they can choose what they want to do next and not fall into a default pattern.
0: That's awesome. And such a powerful tool for young people to learn and, and be willing to work with. I love that you're teaching that to your kids. I know I feel like I've tried to make sure my kids have a pretty full tool belt yes. of things to use. And, and you know, again, it evolves and it changes. And just like you use different modalities within your practices. Yeah. So I know you have something, you're starting in the new year, right? You're going to be doing day-long intensives, which I think really sound amazing. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: One of the things I recognize is that when, and I'm not at all saying don't go to therapy. I think therapy is incredibly powerful and useful. One of the things I notice is it's really hard to work on deeper issues over opening up in the session, chatting about your week, having maybe 35 or 40 minutes to really do the deeper work and then shutting down again. Now, that's a very, very, very important skill to have to open up and shut down and open up and shut down and be able to, I don't mean shut down in terms of numbing out, but like close it so that you feel safe being out in the world. That's a really important skill to have. And I think that being able to have a five or six hour day of just sort of pulling out all the stops, diving as deeply as you're willing and wanting to go can really accelerate healing. And so I'm I'm working with this concept of doing a day-long, really intensive coaching mindset Therapy session, I guess, and it would be focused on one specific issue. So we're not all over the map. We are just saying, okay, I really need to get past this car accident that I had and it's preventing me from feeling safe in the car, or uh, my mother just died, or I am trying to reprocess the belief that I'm stupid, right? And it gets in my way when it's time for me to speak to my team at work. So I want people to be having like, figuring out one specific issue. And then we just go and dive in and we'll use brain spotting and tapping and psychodrama and art and meditation and walking, uh, writing, lots of different modalities to really get into that bottom up approach and help people to have some really quick turnarounds in cognitive beliefs and in emotional reactivity. That's my goal is to help people be less emotionally reactive. Because when we're emotionally reactive, we really, we're not in power. Our power is being drained from us by whatever it is that we're upset, angry, anxious about. And so if we can take our power back and not be hijacked by somebody saying a particular phrase, then I can have more power in my life. And I can-
0: I talk about it in terms of being able to choose to respond instead of react. Yes, instead of react. Yes, thank yeah, you. And, and it really is, you know, when when we're in our power and we aren't in that reactive state, we get to choose how we respond and we get to be intentional about how we show up in any given situation.
1: I have uh, this image and it comes from Carolyn Mace and she talks about all these cords of energy coming in through the tops of our heads and feeding us in infinite, energy. And what we do unconsciously is that we take our own cords of energy and we plug them into situations or other people. And so our life energy is coming in through us and draining right out into this situation. And so I encourage people and tapping is super helpful for this um, and going deeply in sort of a day long format is, is incredible for this because we can really drill down and keep the brain engaged in making a change and shifting the energy so that we can unplug from these other people or situations and plug it back into where we want it. I'm going to plug into my kids for sure, but that doesn't feel like a drain. That feels like I it comes back. They're plugged into me as well. But when I'm hating someone, I'm just giving away my energy and I'm I have learned in my own life and I help my clients to see that I can, I have power over that. I have control over that. I can stop that flow of energy going into someone else draining out of me. And I can pull pieces of myself back and become centered and have uh, my own experience without having to be hijacked by some word or color or type of car or, you know, phrase that somebody says, I
0: can respond. I love that. Yeah, that's great. And it it helps us to stay in our power. Absolutely. Absolutely. such, such good juicy stuff. And I think those day long sessions sound amazing. Thank you. I'm excited about them. Well, I love talking about intention and healing and EFT and all of these beautiful things. So as we close out, I love to ask some fun questions just to get to know you and let the listener get to know you a little better. Okay. So you up for it? I am. All right. What is your favorite place and why?
1: Oh, my favorite place is a little summer community in Connecticut where uh, my kids are fifth generation to live there.
0: Wow. And it's
1: because no matter where I move in the world, I always have this place that's home and
0: rooted. Very grounding. Mm hmm. Are you a cat person, a dog person, or some other animal or nothing? I am a a dog person, I'd have
1: to say. I wish I were a cat person, but I'm allergic. Ah. Uh, So I'm a dog person. And right now we have a a litter of puppies that we're raising, um, of golden doodle puppies. So it's been, I'm a little overwhelmed with animals in the moment, but (laughs) typically I love dogs. Uh,
0: What's your favorite word? Possibility. Yes. What are you reading right now?
1: Oh, what am I not reading? I have so many books
0: open on my bedside table.
1: Um, I just finished Elizabeth Gilbert's City of Girls. Super fun book. And I keep a copy of To Bless the Space Between Us by John O'Donohue nearby. And I, I open that several times a week. Um, and it's just poetry about uh, different stages
0: in our lives. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. If you had a theme song, what would it be? Brave by Sarah Bareilles, or Let It Be by The Beatles. If you were a superhero, what would your name be and what power would you have?
1: (laughs) I, maybe I'd be Connecting Girl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And I think my power would be to help barriers break down so people can really hear each other.
0: Beautiful. And what's your intention for our world right now?
1: Connection. Real, honest, true connection. Putting down the walls allowing different points of view to be okay and trusting ourselves that we're on exactly the right path and are going in the direction that we need to be going.
0: Yes. To that intention. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, Meg, if people want to find you, uh, on the web or social media, how do they find you?
1: My website is breathing space psychotherapy.com and or you can email me at meg at therapy C-N-Y.com.
0: Right. Well, we will put all of those links on the show notes page at todayichose.me backslash podcast. So you can find those there. And thanks again so much. So grateful. Thank you, Melissa. I really am appreciative of the time. Today I Choose is brought to you by 3B Productions. Our producer and audio engineer is Sam Booty. Our graphic designer is Marsha Craig. Our research assistant is Molly Bingham. To find us on Instagram, look for Today I Choose with Melissa and find our Facebook group, Everyday Living with Intention. And on the web, TodayIChoose.me.